Everyone, it's Dr. Beard, joined by Paul again for another episode of our Self-Care is the New Healthcare podcast. Yep. Today, we're going to be talking about something, um, well, it's really titled um, Normal, no, no, excuse me, just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us um, have adopted this mindset that all these chronic issues that are plaguing um, you, your family, your friends are just uh, common and occur with age, and it's just something we all need to accept. And that simply is not the case. And we're going to make that case, but uh, before we do that, you know what we got to do. I don't take nothing that a doctor don't prescribe. I don't do no drugs, man. I don't do no drugs, man. I don't smoke no blood, man. I don't do no drugs, man. It angers up that blood, man, so I don't do no drugs. All right. Um, so this content is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not intended to provide medical advice or to take the place of medical advice or treatment from a personal physician. So common is not normal. And I think that's a difficult concept for people to understand that having high blood pressure, having high cholesterol, having aches and pains, these are not, they should not be common. No. Not, not at, it's not, not at, normal to have them. They should be the exception. Exactly. They sh- it should be the exception. But now it's the rule. Everyone should be on prescriptions. Everyone has aches and pains. Everyone is chronically ill. It's a normal part of aging. If I hear that one more time, there are some things that do occur with aging, mm-hmm. okay? But a lot of it does not have to occur. No. And we've just kind of uh, been... Um, been kind of it, it, there's a lot of propaganda I think out there that's convinced a lot of people that uh, they should just accept it and deal with it or that there's it, when you give them examples like like my mother who's 90 turns 91 in 3 months she could walk down to our pond down a very steep hill very back steep. up on, and back on her, on her own no problems mm-hmm. she reeled in a 20 pound catfish yeah. a few weeks ago well she's just the exception it's like no she's not she just happened to do all the right things and didn't fall into the paradigm of, of our conventional medicine. Approach. And, yeah. and, and people say, well, it's your genetics. And I can make a, a Genetics is a small part of it. You'll hear I, us talk in other, yep. uh, other episodes that genetics is not the determining factor. But you always give all these stats that you actually control your genetics to a large extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we can go over that more if you want. Yeah, I have my, ge- my dad's um, genetics in a lot of respects, but uh, I haven't. I'm not going to have open heart. I'm not going to need to have open heart surgery like he did. So the propensity for heart issues is in your family. Yes. Yet because you did not expose yourself to the shift work and these other stressors that he did, you didn't go down the same path, even though you have the same genetic hand. It's, 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 at least as far as the cholesterol levels go. And we can talk more about that in a second. But first, I want to go over some stats. Oh, we have a lot of them. Because we have a lot of them. Um, and these, some of these may or may not be shocking to you. But, um, I, I mean, I certainly wasn't shocked because <laughs> I see, you know, people with illnesses all day long. That's what I do. But I also am around a lot of people who don't have chronic conditions. So I know that <laughs> it is, you know, doesn't have to impact the whole, all of society. So um, over the last uh, 20 years, the prevalence of chronic disease in the U.S. has grown 7 to 8 million people every five years. And chronic disease now affects, um, you know, 50, some even say 60% of the population. And 
its care consumes over greater than 85% of healthcare costs. So the majority of our health care spending is on the management and treatment of chronic disease. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And, a, and a disease is considered chronic when it persists greater than a year and requires ongoing medical attention and or limits daily activities. So um, I've got some more statistics. So um, the, the top chronic conditions that we have right now are heart disease, cancer, stroke, diabetes, Alzheimer's, respiratory disease. And these, these diseases affect 60% of the population. And 42% of the population have multiple conditions, not just one of those, but multiple conditions. And that's from the National Health Council. Um, autoimmune diseases have increased in both frequency and are occurring earlier in life now. And over the last 30 years, um, it has increased dramatically. Uh, One in five women now have an autoimmune disease, whether that is Hashimoto's, Graves' disease, which affect the thyroid gland, lupus, MS, uh, psoriatic arthritis, so many of these autoimmune diseases. And the autoimmune disease prevalence now equals heart disease and cancer combined. That's a lot of autoimmune diseases. And when we say autoimmune disease, it just means your immune system is dysregulated and it is, and it is um, noticing your own body as a foreign invader. So it's attacking your own body. What has contributed to that, Paul? It's a, we'll talk about that in a second. Here's some more statistics. Um, Chronic disease affects 13 to 27% of children, depending on how you classify chronic disease for these kids. Um, Asthma, obesity, ADHD, ADD, autism spectrum, those are the big ones. But um, I'm telling you right now, I'm seeing lots more allergies, eczema, um, repeat strep infections. You know, these are the things that everybody thinks is just common, you know. Every every kid just has always gets strep throat or is always having a runny nose or, you know, ha, has asthma or, or ADD. You know, that that's that's not normal. That is that is because, um, and this is an alarming statistic: chronic disease among children has increased more than four hundred percent in fifty years. Over the last fifty years, chronic disease rates have increased more than four hundred percent and people don't question this they, they, they put it down well we're just testing more it's like I don't think they understand it yeah. because um, when you're living amongst in the middle of it you just you, you don't really see that um, and then so I also saw some stats from the American Public Health Association um, they have a web page and they compared 16 of uh, fairly comparable countries to the US and that's kind of hard to do because the U.S. is such a large country, and it's very, you know, diverse. But they they did they they used other industrialized countries to, to compare this to. But the U.S. has the highest rates of infant mortality, the highest obesity rate across all ages, the highest rates of of diabetes, the highest rates of youth pregnancy and STDs, 
the second highest rate of HIV and highest rate of AIDS, and we have shorter lives. And I think that's what you found too when you were researching this about lifespan. Yes, I mean, we are the highest in preventable hospitalizations and preventable deaths, which means we're, th these things are occurring because we caused them, not because of bad luck. Right. Um, our life expectancy in the U.S. is 78.6. Which is down a little bit. It's, it's ticked down a little yeah. bit. The last, and then, uh, but the average among industrialized nations mm -hmm. is 80.7. Yeah. So we're not even up to the average. And how much are we spending on all of this, Paul? Switzerland is, is the highest at 83.6 years. Okay. So they're living quite a bit longer than us. But then when you start looking at the expenditure... Probably better than us, too. Well, if you look at the cost of living, um, if, if you look at what we spend per capita adjusted for cost of living, this is important because people are like, oh, this is skewed, but adjusting everything to make not apples to apples, we spend 10200 on average per, per person. person. Per, mm -hmm. okay. Switzerland is the next highest at seven, and Austria is at 4.4, and Norway is at 6,000. Switzerland, Austria, and Norway are in the top 10 of the healthiest. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of get a, right. we're not anywhere near the top 10. We're 34. Again, you know, these are much smaller countries um, and, and very similar in their demographics too. But we're right there with Panama and Honduras. <laughs> no. We are, um, it, it, like you said, we're number one in obesity, We, ha but we have the highest screening rate. So we're, we, we should be catching these things earlier but we're not doing anything right. Yeah, so so what we are doing is not working. And I am going to tell you this again. Just because your friends or you have high blood pressure or, or carrying an extra weight or might have, you know, uh, have had a stent or your blood sugars are creeping up and you're having lots of aches and pains, that is not normal. That needs to be big red flags that your body is not working like it should. And something, I promise you, something, and usually more than one thing, is causing that. One, one thing I looked at, if you look at some of the poorer nations that are close to us as far as you know, how healthy they are mm -hmm. with life expectancy and things like that, if you take out unexpected deaths, like from job injuries, the accidents, the, the farming accidents and, exactly. and things like that, yeah. Then their life expectancy springs way past ours because yeah. they're eating, they're, their lifestyle is relatively healthy, mm -hmm. but they just have no safety. And, and so right. children are working in a dangerous areas. Mm -hmm. there's, no, there's no OSHA, which is you know, our safety stuff. Right. They don't have that there. So if you take those out, we really are miserable compared to everyone else because mm -hmm. we're, we're super safe here. We don't lose many people to job injuries like other countries. Mm -hmm. Yet, we are still abysmal compared to the, you know we're down there with Honduras as far as life you know as, as far as and, the, and the health and, outcomes. And life expectancy is is very different than life quality. Right. So, um, I'd like to know what the quality of life in those areas are comparable to ours too. What we're trying to point out here, folks, is that what we're doing is not working. No. We spend the most. We're doing the worst. And it shouldn't be that way. And that's why that's why I got out of conventional medicine. Yeah, if, I saw that it was not working. But if you look at the countries, you know, you can overcome a lot of this. I was amazed that Spain was the healthiest, even though they have a relatively high rate of tobacco use and alcohol. 
but their food is excellent. Di- very different than what we eat over here. No GMO foods, nope. lots of seafood, and they're active. Mm-hmm. So that was able to overcome these other things. So it's just amazing. You start looking at these other countries. They're also a lot more active. They're much more active. Europeans in general do a lot more walking. Well, you can even see it in this country. We just Then we do. We blanketed it here, but we live in Arkansas, which is one of the fattest states. Yes. And we vacation in so Colorado, fat. which is one of the thinnest states. Mm-hmm. You can just see the quality of yep. life. I see 70 and 80-year-olds out there skiing. There's, uh-huh. a, there's a lot of my moms out there. You know that are active and doing well you just don't see them here because they the what is considered common and is normal is so prevalent here that people are like oh, it's just the way it is and it's not you need to fight this and you need to understand that this is a paradigm shift you have to think of the system's broken mm-hmm. it's not working what can i do differently and that's that's what self-care that's what we keep on trying to tell you go that, find yourself some healthy friends yes because it, it, that really does matter if you are surrounded by people who um, don't take their health seriously, don't really care about what they're eating, if they're exercising, they're sleeping, your chances are you're going to end up, you know, doing the same things and your health is going to suffer too. And, I, and we see this all the time. You've got to surround yourself with people who are trying to do things right. I mean, most people think that the best way to look thinner is to hang out with fatter people. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> That's actually from, that, that, that's, that's, a, that's a Rodney Dangerfield movie. I can always depend on you to say something like that. From back to school, that's what it's from. But So if, we, if the system's broken, we're not doing well, what, what is the, the key? Well, well, first of all, let's just talk about some of the cop-outs okay. that, they, that I hear time and time again. And we've already briefly mentioned those. Um, how many times have you heard a doctor say, and, you, and, they probably, and they told you the same thing, well, you're getting older. Mm-hmm. That is a cop-out. Right. That, that is so absurd. Uh, yes, there are things that, yes, when you age, there are things that you cannot stop. You know, you, you, the balding, mm-hmm. <laughs> something that happens, you know, skin changes and things like that. But to just accept that, you know, you, these aches and pains or, some, or arthritis, you just, arthritis, it just comes, you know, with aging. No, no, it doesn't. Yeah. So stop, get out of that mindset. Do not fall for that trap. And also do not fall for the trap that, well, it's just your genetics, you know. And I think that's why there's been all this focus on genetics is because it's trying to distract us, mm-hmm. again, from, from the fact that conventional medicine wants to just blame something else other than what they're doing that is not working. So they want to blame it on your genetics now. And that is so... Um, that's archaic thinking, especially now that we know that our DNA is not static and that it, the expression of our DNA can change depending on the environmental inputs, what we put into our mouths, the stress we encounter, the toxins we encounter, um, exercise, uh, nature, time spent outside of nature to sunshine, um, prayer, meditation, family, family, faith, all of these things impact the expression of your DNA. And they can either, it can either be expressed in poor ways or in good ways. It really comes down to you. I mean, we've identified 12 essential. And you just basically hit on, there's 12 essential things that you can do. That's the movement, the stretching, right. the strength training, mm-hmm. the food, the faith, family, hydration, there's 12 things that you control. 
And if you apply those to my mom's family, because we want to talk about genetics, there's eight children in her family. My mom's 90. If you look at the ones that have already passed, there's a reason. One of her younger brothers passed. He was a, owned a body shop. He was exposed to toxic chemicals all the time. Mm -hmm. That's what happened to him. It wasn't genetics. He had those good, good genetics, but you cannot override constant exposure to toxins. Um, mom's older sister, they're actually twins. That's the best example. One was a recluse, one was not. One was very active and exercised and taught aerobics until she was 90. She ended up passing at 96. The other one passed in her 80s. She, she was kind of a recluse. She, she didn't exercise and she was not, at, for some reason, family was not as important to her. So some of the 12 essentials she did not hit. You can see they had the exact same genetics yet they manifested very differently because of, what is the, what do you call the exposure? The exposome. The exposome, I love that yes, word. It's... The exposome was different uh -huh. for, the, for the different siblings, and you can tell they, if they had the same genetics, the exposome dictated what happened to them, not their genetics. And the exposome is, for those of you who may have heard that term, it's kind of like it's a the conglomeration of all the things outside of your body that impact your genetics, your DNA. And these are the things that your doctor never, never talk. talks about. Yes. So there's most of what we're saying can be fixed by this. Right. And yet your doctor's not talking about it. We've given all these stats to say we're doing poorly. We're spending the most. Hopefully this is a wake up call for you to say, I'm not going to do this yeah. anymore. And here's something that when I was going through all this research and, and I was looking at, um, everybody's reasons for why this is occurring. Of course, you know, they, want to talk about, you know, people's diets and exercise. That was a common one. Um, but it was a lot of the focus was spent on, um, well, if we just had better testing and better treatments. We're number one. <laughs> we already said that. We're number one in the world for testing. I know. So I'm like, the answer is not more testing and better treatments. That That's why we're in the situation where we are now. So we have got to peel back the layers. Well, explain treatments. Because and unless their treatments are um, a pill, a burn, and cutting you. And when I say that, it's procedures, pills, and surgeries. Mm -hmm. That's basically the treatments that you're going to be offered to deal with your chronic issues. And I would also include that this whole strategy is only making matters worse. Well, and I think the stats speak for themselves. Yes. Okay. So we have to do something differently. So it's not working. So let's go back to what we, when we started this conversation, which, which, which common is not normal. And I think we, if we focus earlier on, because I view a symptom as a warning mm -hmm. that something is wrong. Yep. I actually view it as something, you know, perhaps God's communicating like, hey, you're doing that, you know, this little. Well, he created our body to let us know when something's not right. Yeah, so it's a subtle warning. Hey, you're not, you're kind of abusing things, what do we do? We squish, we squash that symptom with a pill. We suppress the symptom, we don't address the cause. And then another symptom comes up, and then another symptom. Mm -hmm. And this is the trajectory of why. The whack-a-mole. The whack-a-mole of using a pill to try to treat something. And as you progress in age, you end up on more and more pills. You're staying alive, but just barely. But the thing is, is they, and we've said this multiple times, and in case you haven't heard our other episodes, is that, a, a certain disease can have multiple different causes. And the same, like, like diet, you know, let's just take um, um, diabetes, for instance. 
Yes, it could be the fact that you're consuming um, a horrible diet. It could be due to toxin exposures too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it just, it just and and so you, you, we're treating the sim- the symptom of elevated blood sugar the same, mm-hmm. the same pills, yet there are very different causes for that. Gut health, gut health, stress, toxin exposures, and then you can have somebody who, let's just say. Um, a patient, we have two patients who are eating the same diet. One of them develops eczema and the other one develops anxiety and depression from it mm-hmm. because of the, the gut health issues. And so it's expressed differently. Same cause. Same cause, but the expression is different depending on the person. Mm-hmm. So we, by, not, by not treating this individual, oops, by not treating the individual in such a way, it, it for these and not allowing for these unique circumstances and contributors and just treating everybody the same with the same pill no matter what the cause is is stupid well i mean it just drives on the point we have one treatment plan but if you have the same cause can have two different symptoms and the same symptom could have two different causes lots of different causes from different people yet we treat everyone the same well that's ludicrous mm-hmm. let's peel back the layer let's, let's use you as an example because your childhood gave lots of warning signs, yeah. lots of warning sure signs. Sure did. And your trajectory was horrible. Yeah, it was. And you were nosediving. Basically, mm-hmm. you barely saved yourself. I did. And pulled it, it up. Pulled it up. Because you did not, basically, you said no to conventional medicine. Uh-huh. When I say conventional medicine, I'm talking about chronic conditions. Our acute care in this country is the best. If you break your arm and you're in a car wreck, you're doing great yep. here. We, you, we got you covered. We got you covered. But chronic conditions, we want you to say no to this paradigm because they're doing everything wrong. Mm-hmm. They are horrible. And we keep, in fact, you mentioned yesterday, that was really interesting. All of the accolades that we put on our medical system is basically based off of our acute care. Yeah. We have the best surgeons. We have the best ICU and NICU and, and ER. We shine. But none of those have anything to do with chronic diseases, uh-uh. but that's where all of our attention goes. And we kind of like, we lump it all together, but the chronic treatment is this horrible... The prevention is absolutely non-existent. It's ridiculous. We, the, the prevention basically comes down to testing, like colonoscopies and stuff like that. Well, it, go over your childhood, so, all the warning signs. So these are, yeah. these are things that you had that people thought were common right. and thought they were normal. But it should not have been normal. They were warning signs that were ignored, and it manifested in a horrible health trajectory. Well, it was just—it was nothing but whack-a-mole my whole life. So um, I was a—you know—as a toddler, I had chronic ear infections. So that meant repeat antibiotics, and we now know that that leads to all kinds of problems later in life for mm-hmm. people who were treated with. Um, antibiotics at an early stage, especially multiple rounds, completely changes your microbiome and it takes a long time to get it back to where it should be. Sometimes it never does, um, depending on who your physician is and how he's treating you. So I had these chronic ear infections um, and then I had horrible allergies, again, probably from poor gut health um, and some food sensitivities that I never knew I had. Uh, And then uh, started having trouble with constipation. Uh, I can remember having to get, you know, enemas as a kid because of, and had a lot of stomach problems all the time. Um, and then that led to, when in my teens, it was acne, depression, anxiety. Um, and then in my 20s, it and had a lot of bone pain and things like that as well. And then it was 
um, restless leg syndrome, um, hypo, uh, orthostatic hypotension. I'd pass out a lot when I'd stand up. Um, started having uh, horrible, horrible um, back and neck pain. Um, there was a time in my life when I was um, running and couldn't feel the couldn't feel the my feet hit the ground, and so there was I had all these problems going on, and then um, my GI system just shut down, stopped working. Dealt with that for years and had all kinds of tests. I cannot tell you how many tests I have had done and how many medications. I, mean, I was in the hospital for, uh, you know, I was septic from a kidney infection. I was admitted for a GI bleed in my 20s. Had all these things going on, but it was nothing more. I just had kept getting more and more band aids thrown at me. You were even diagnosed with MS. Yes, well, they finally, I saw um, a uh, neurologist. And they ran all kinds of tests, and, and they, you know, took note of all the symptoms I was having. They're like, you know, nothing's showing up on your MRI yet, but it looks like you have MS. <laughs> because I had some positive um, autoimmune markers and um, had all these kind of classic uh, MS symptoms. I did, I did not have the eye issue or the, the brain, you know, the MRI scans that showed uh, some of the scarring and stuff like that. Um, but he was like, "This you sound like you're on your way. You sound like you have MS. And so uh, at that time, my colon complete, did not work at all. Like um, 18, I mean, 18, 20 days without <laughs> any bowel movement. Okay, and that was for years. That was my life. And I, and, and I made the decision to have most of my colon removed. I took some tests, showed it, it was just not working right, had it removed, but it was removed because it had been damaged. Well, they didn't know it had been damaged. They just knew it did not work. Mm. And I, we had tried for years all kinds of things, more fiber, drink more water, here's some more Metamucil, you know. And that was basically it. And try this pill. Nothing. Nothing worked. And I was sick. I, I, was, I just couldn't handle it anymore. I, I, all these symptoms were going on, plus that. I was in, you know, this was occurring, of course, through medical school and residency. So the stress certainly played, a lot of things played a part. Mm-hmm. Stress, over-exercising, because I was an athlete. I had um, undiagnosed food sensitivities that I later finally discovered, you know. And then all that poor gut health that I grew up with because of the antibiotic usage, because I was also prescribed antibiotics for acne. Mm-hmm. You know, doxycycline was is very commonly prescribed for acne that's just doing a horrible number on your gi health so um i am the poster child of chronic disease and how the how the system treats chronic disease and how it does not work and so it was by the grace of god that i met dr betty bischoff functional medicine doctor who introduced me to the world of functional medicine and at that point is when my life started changing mm-hmm. because I was introduced to another way, another approach to overcoming chronic disease. In a relatively short amount of time. I ch- it, was, it was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, basically a year. Yeah. And within a year, your health trajectory, and I witnessed this, folks. I saw her at the, really at the, at the bottom of her nosedive and then coming up. And now we've, we've been together over nine years, and I, I never see you sick. You're the, you're the picture of health. People would never know that you had all these chronic conditions because you made the lifestyle changes. You did it. 
not the doctors. You made these changes. Yeah, because I've had some people make little snide remarks on my social media, like, well, not everybody's healthy like you are. And I'm like, trust me, lady, I have not been like this my whole life. Mm-hmm. This is, um, in, in fact, most of my life, I was a chronically ill, sick, suffering person. Somehow I managed to thrive, you know, to still go on and do things despite all that, um, just because I'm really freaking stubborn. But, you know, it, it, takes, it takes a lot of work and it takes the right approach. So let's, let's reverse that. Had a functional medicine doctor been in your life at the, be- at at the, the beginning, very, they would have identified food sensitivities, understanding those problems. Mm-hmm. They, well, they would have saw my chronic ear infections as a warning sign that my immune system was not working right. Mm-hmm. And why was that? And they probably would have addressed my diet and gut health right then. Right. And all of the things that contribute to dysbiosis. Because it's much more than just what the foods you put into your mouth. Right. For a lot of people. And we used to... For kids, it's, it is pretty much what you're feeding your kids. But adults, it's a whole other... A lot, of, a lot more complex. And we used to view stress as a badge of honor. I can handle Doctors it. certainly do. If yeah. you don't want... If you can't pull a 36-hour shift, then you're just not... You shouldn't even be a doctor. But the point is, folks, this stuff is deadly. And it, we're... I'm being ident- facetious when I say that. We're, we're, we're identifying that you know, oh, I can't control my stress. You better control it. Otherwise, eventually it's going to make you completely worthless. Well, and a lot of people think, yeah, they think that getting by on very little sleep is some type of um, superhuman power that should be, you know, lauded. Um, And I'm here to tell you that's not the case. You need sleep. So if you have that mindset, that's going to catch up with you and it's going to catch up with you in some really, really bad ways. I think the biggest hurdle, so we've identified that the system's broken. We've identified that if you'll apply self-care to yourself, you can greatly change your trajectory. I think one of the biggest hurdles we have right now in convincing people to do this, and this occurs with our family members, that the condition that they think is common, that's presenting itself, they'd rather solve it the easy way even though it's not solving it. So someone has high blood pressure, if they could look at all the things that'll happen in the next 10 years, that blood pressure is just the first issue, mm-hmm. but it's gonna, it's gonna have all these other cascading effects that are gonna be the problem, it would probably wake them up, they're like, yes, I need to make changes. But they'd like, eh, I can just take this pill to suppress my blood pressure. And they're not even considering the side effects and what that pill is also doing in their body besides just lowering their blood pressure because it always is impacting other systems in your body but remember we said different causes can have different symptoms but also one cause can have multiple symptoms right so right now you have a cause that's causing high blood pressure what is that other going to yep what is that cause going to manifest later and that's the danger is because because they because their um blood pressure is treated with the pill and and that you don't have a metoprolol deficiency you don't have an ace inhibitor deficiency okay something's something's causing your elevated blood pressure what the heck is it because if you knock it down and you put a band-aid on it with a pill the cause of it is still there and it's going to start impacting your body in other ways besides just expressing it as high blood pressure it's doing other things in your body too that could start presenting it presenting itself and as other symptoms down the road the 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 best way you've explained this paradigm to me that was a wake up a normal doctor your 
the, the doctor you have in today's medicine, when they make a diagnosis, mm-hmm. that's the end. Yeah. They're done. When you well, make, we put gave it a name. Good for me. When Woo. you when you make a diagnosis, it's the beginning because you've identified an issue. I don't really make diagnoses but per it's, se. It's the beginning of your process. Yeah. You're looking at the diagnoses of of high blood pressure. Like okay, you're like that's my start. What's causing that? Yeah, high blood pressure for me is not a diagnosis. It's a symptom. And that's the difference. And that's a big difference between these approaches. Okay. And in fact, when I was reading, I got the, you know, I keep getting the journals in because I like to make fun of them. But um, they they had co- all these listed all these causes of uh, pruritus or itching, and all the causes were nothing more than the diagnosis names of several things. I'm like that's that's just. That's just the name of a diagnosis. That's just the name given to another set of symptoms. And you're listing that as a cause. That gets us nowhere closer to understanding what's causing your itching. You've listed lupus as a possible cause for your itching. What does that tell us? Mm-hmm. Nothing. What's causing the lupus? I, it's it's cra- I could not believe I was sitting here reading that. Well, I could because that's typical of what we see in these journals. But because it's become so common... We assume that it's normal, and we put up with it. And it's and instead of being a huge warning sign, it's like, oh, everyone else has. Had, everyone else has. Well, <laughs> folks, everyone else is. Well, who are you hanging around with? Yes. If that's what you think, if you think that's just something that everybody has, who are your friends and family? And if that's the case, you need to go, you need to expand and go find yourself some people who don't have those problems. Well, you'll do it with. I mean, you should be doing this with the moral compass, you know, you don't hang out with the worst sinners um, as, your, as your close friends because you're afraid they would drag you down. You don't want to hang out with people who are thieves or murderers. They say, oh, I know better than that. Well, extrapolate to your health. Do you really want to hang out with people who are not positively influencing mm-hmm. you? It's all right to be a couch potato. It's okay to eat processed food all the time. It's okay that we're, we're obese. It's mm-hmm. okay that we, can, we have to use a scooter in Walmart um, to buy processed food. Right. I mean, at some point, it's like, well, a lot of these people have just given up. It's like, but it's amazing how reversible. I want to, I, we always like to leave hope. And it's not even that difficult. Everybody thinks that somehow the functional medicine approach is just going to make your life miserable. It is going to make your life wonderful. Mm-hmm. It is it is going to it is liberating when you can get off of those pills and not have to go to the doctor all the time. You've got all this free time and all this extra money and you feel better. Well, I, I mean, good grief. What do you what what are you so scared of? Mainly the first one is diet. They, they, they get so addicted to this, the sugar and the processed foods that they don't understand that that actually is a, a, a real addiction. It, 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 it's, it's, it. Not, it's not a choice at that point. You're addicted. It's more, it's, in fact, some studies have shown it's more addicted than, than heroin. So you, you, it's only, when people talk about getting, breaking these habits, it's only hard initially. Once you're eating healthy, it's liberating because the calories from an avocado are not the same as the calories from a Little Debbie. Right. Even if they're both, say, 200 calories. Yeah, let's just say both 200 calories, they're going to behave very differently in your body. One is going to um, create inflammation. The other one is going to prevent it. Most people who are overweight, we, we, have, we have helped so many people with weight issues. It's never been... An energy deficit issue. Yeah, just eat less. 
it's the quality of the food. And that's, that's what becomes liberating is once you change your diet, you no longer have to diet. Mm-mm. You don't even have to keep track of calories. I, have, I cannot tell you the last time I counted a calorie. If you're not eating processed I, food, you're not eating crap, you eat when you're hungry, you eat as much as you want, but you're eating high-quality calories, it self-regulates. Mm-hmm. It's easy. I'd rather eat as much as I want of good food than try to be judicious about, oh, I'm only going to have a little bit of this crap right. food and a little bit of this junk food. And then I'm always dieting. I'm always guilty about eating that potato chip. Like, just get rid of that stuff, and then you can eat as much of the good stuff as you want. Well, it doesn't taste good. It doesn't taste good because you're addicted and you've adulterated your taste buds. All these things change. And even today, um, I I listened to a conference. I had to attend one for for continuing education hours. It was a conventional medicine conference. But they had a, a lifestyle medicine doctor on there talking about diabetes and the causes of diabetes. So I was like, oh, great. Conventional medicine has got this new specialty area. It's called lifestyle medicine. They're finally getting into the game. You know, this is great for them. And I was so disappointed because he still, they still are in that whole mindset of that it comes down to how many calories people eat. And in that same, in that same talk, he was started pushing uh, metformin and statins as anti-aging drugs. And I'm like, oh, this is so crazy. This, this is disgusting. It was very hard for me to listen to that conference. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, at least you, you got to know what the enemy's up to, I guess. I mean, the only And good I hate to call them that, but, I mean, good grief, what else would you call them? Because they're not... Well, but you look at something so simple. It's like, okay, if you can keep your blood sugars lower, you have more longevity. That's so easy to see. That's the type of food you're eating. Yet they want to use an artificial metformin to lower it and act like that's an anti-aging drug, even though it destroys your gut health, which... And it's not good for your mitochondria. And so these things will... It, it just... It's the idiocy. I don't, I don't I, understand I know, how but they it, fall for it. It's just... It's, it's propaganda. We've been conditioned to trust the health to trust in this entity that is supposedly um all about our health when in fact i don't think they that that at all all the blue zones we've heard us speak this before blue zones are areas of the world that have the most people over a hundred years of age as with, a, with as a high a, quality of with life. a high quality of life as a percentage of their population all of them excluding loma linda california which is kind of an anomaly that's the seventh day adventist mm-hmm. All of them are rural areas that don't really have a lot of access to the, quote, modern medicine. Right. You know, you're looking at Sardinia, Italy. They're functional medicine. By, 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 by default. Right. They, they're not stressed. They have family. They have faith. They eat organic. They don't eat processed food. Right. They laugh. They love. Mm-hmm. They're not going to the doctor for checkups. I mean, some of these places are super remote. Costa Rica, places in Greece, Okinawa, Japan. Right. Of Japan, Okinawa is one of the poorest areas, yet they have the best longevity. What's going on? Yeah. So, you know, again, it's a lot of us have been duped into thinking that the healthcare system, that we need it for health, for for our health. You always say we've outsourced our health. Yes. And in fact, we've just, we've outsourced our health to a system that can only offer, or typically they could offer more, but they don't. But they are, they're only offering pills, procedures, and surgeries. And you will never obtain optimal health that way. Mm-mm. Because I've done it that way. 
and it doesn't work. And now I've done it the functional medicine way. And I can tell you hands down, without a doubt, it gets far, far better results. It's a mindset. Um, we have, it's just, we have to, it's almost like you have to get people's buy-in. Not everybody. Some people are just so sick of it because they've been going to the doctor. They've been taking the pills. They've been doing this. They just feel worse and worse and they're not getting better. And so th- they, it, to get their buy-in, it's pretty easy because mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're desperate. Um, and then, and so I don't want you guys to um, accept this as the norm. You know, just because all your friends and family or or you see all these commercials and stuff for the pharmaceuticals, you think everybody's got some type of disease. That is not the case. Okay, yeah, it might be common, but it's not normal. Do not accept that. And understand that if you give your body the time and the right inputs and remove the bad stuff, it will heal itself and rebalance itself. We see it all the time. I think that's one of the problems is that young people are so resilient. Well, we were. We thought we could do whatever we wanted and get by with it. It just keeps kicking the can down because they are so resilient. But as you become older, you become less resilient. Mm -hmm. You sure do. And please make these changes before the wheels come off. Because it's a lot harder to put the wheels back on when all of them have fallen off. It's very hard. I mean... And, that, and it's not fair to functional medicine physicians who are trying to help. You cannot expect us to put you back together again in two weeks. Oh, functional medicine is so expensive. If you wait to the very end, yes. Yes, if you wait until you're a, a mess and you don't have any organs left because they've taken them all out, yeah, it, it, it can be difficult and it can take a long time to get you back on track. But it, it, but if you, but you have to, and that's why Paul says again: Do not let all the wheels fall off. Take these symptoms as red flags. Get in to see a functional medicine doctor. If it is not else, find someone in your area. Go to ifm.org, and you can find functional medicine doctors in your state. If, and here's another thing of hope: Once you get your body in tune, you'll be amazed at what you can, how you hear your body. Mm-hmm. Your body's communicating to you all the time. Some of these are achy joints, some of these are sniffles, some of these are earaches. I'm anxious, I can't sleep. These are all just warning signs. We got my mom here during COVID. She she lived with us for two months, so I was able to control her diet. For her entire adult life, she kept a a Kleenex in her pocket because she always had a runny nose. Mm -hmm. And Amy convinced her, like, we're not gonna give you dairy and we're not gonna give you wheat. We knew there was a dairy issue, so we cut out dairy Lo and behold, she didn't have to use her Kleenex. Nope. And then I was over there last week, and she had her Kleenex out. I said, what'd you have to eat? She goes, oh, I have not had any dairy. That was not last week. That was like a month ago. Oh, okay, a month ago. But we were looking at it. It's like, so what'd you have to eat? She goes, I didn't have any dairy. And then we went through everything, and she goes, oh, that had cream in it. Yeah, so she did have some dairy, and it made those it, sniffles come back. Because it was around Thanksgiving. It was the cream corn. Mm-hmm. And so that... And her neuropathy started getting a little better, too. Oh, her neuropathy has gotten a lot better. Yeah. And that's we think that's from getting off the wheat. Because I suspected she had food sensitivities a long time ago because she would tell me about some health issues that she had in the past. And I was like, ooh, that just screams food sensitivity right there. And um, nobody would listen to me. That happens a lot. Um, <laughs> and then finally, we, she, she trusted us. Well, imagine being that close under, you know, to hearing your body, which I think is part of being close to God, because God gave us these warning signs, mm-hmm. that you could pick up a sniffle and know that that was because of the dairy, as opposed to 
eating dairy for the next two years and end up with repeated sinus infections or something. And that's exactly what happens to a lot of people. And a lot of people don't even realize how bad they feel until they, they come see us and they do what we tell them to do. And they, and they, they're like, and we, and we hear that a lot. I didn't even realize how bad I felt until I started feeling better until I started feeling better. That's a powerful statement. It is. Well, I think we've established that the system's broken. <laughs> that, you didn't already know that. That what you do, self-care, is going to do the by far the greatest trajectory mm-hmm. change on your health. Absolutely. Your health depends on what you do, not what your doctor does. And we'll repeat this over and over again because people don't listen. <laughs> but we want you to do this. Utilize the modern medicine machinery that we have out there for acute care. If you're in a car wreck, you break your arm. If you need, if you uh, need to go to the ICU, I mean, this wow. is what it's supposed to be. This, mm-hmm. They shine. We have superior diagnostics as far as MRIs and CTs and ultrasounds and all those things. We can do a lot with that. But if you go to your doctor and get your wellness checkup and it says you have high blood pressure and high cholesterol, use those as warning signs to dig back deeper to get and not yeah. t- not fall for the pill. Like, listen, I'm going to hold off the pill, doc. Give me. Give me six months of lifestyle change and see what I can do. And don't take their advice for lifestyle changes either because they were not taught anything about lifestyle causes. Right. So if I think, when I say self-care, if you don't have the base knowledge and don't have the time to research it, then utilize one of our health coaches or a certified IFM, mm-hmm. Institute of Functional Medicine, health coach. They're inexpensive. They can get you on the right trajectory lifestyle. And at that point, most of the time, it corrects things. Yeah. If it doesn't, then you need to go to a functional medicine doctor. Yeah, and make sure that they, not all, there's a lot of doctors out there calling themselves functional medicine doctors, and they are anything but. Uh, and I know some here in the state who call themselves that, and I think they took like uh, some type of one-day online course, and they think they know everything, and they're actually causing a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so if you do work with a functional medicine doctor, make sure they are a certified functional medicine doctor and even then the you know they're all not the same and it should be an md or a do yeah but at least you know make sure they're certified functional medicine okay um and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of certified um nps and pas that are doing a good job too okay well make sure they see patients because that's you know naturopaths are great they have a lot of skills yeah but they just don't have the same experience as someone who's been seeing patients the way and they understand the system and how it works and what to expect and um, they, yeah, I, I would agree with you in that way. Yeah. But there's some great naturopath doctors. No, I know. There. That's why I was careful. So. It's, and, and, you know, a great clinic would have a naturopath and an MD. Yeah, I would love to go back and get a, a an ND degree, but I'm not. I just don't have four years in me. Mm-hmm. Don't have another four years in me to no. do that. I'll, I'll study on my own, uh, which I always do anyway. Studying never stops. Research never stops. All right, guys. Well, um, we're going to end that here because Paul and I have a tendency to. Um, get real mouthy and and ramble so we're actually going to end it here we appreciate you watching this episode Um, please feel free to follow us on our social media outlets Um, i'm on facebook i'm on instagram we have a youtube channel amy beard md Uh, we also have uh, we're on parlor self-care is the new health care in case things get dicey we have that as a backup Mm -hmm. i hope to be more um, active on that uh, soon. Well, as we too. start having other conversations about things that may get us censored. Yeah, because I've already I've already been booted off um, Facebook for a day for a post about ivermectin, uh, which does work for COVID. Um, so the censorship is real. I'm anticipating getting more of it uh, because I am not afraid to talk about the controversial topics. 
And uh, for me, it's just a means you're over the target yes. when you get censored. Um, all right, guys, thanks again for listening to us. We will be presenting many, many more episodes in the near future. Bye-bye. Bye. I don't take nothing that a doctor don't prescribe. I don't do no drugs, man. I don't do no drugs.